Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Startup Sales. Today I'm really excited for our guest. We have Michael Tuso, and Michael is going to share with us some really cool insights on remote sales. So having your sales team actually work remotely. He's working now with Chili Piper and running the team there where they're 100% remote. The whole company is, but also the sales team. So he's going to talk about like the importance of trust as a leader, especially in this now, it's always important, but especially in the remote work, he's going to talk about how to hire for remote, like what to look for, what kind of process to have in place. We're going to talk about creating a brand for yourself or for the company so that you get talent to come to you. Uh, so many early stage startups are struggling to find the good talent. And if you're doing it from the other perspective and creating a brand online where people want to come to you, this is key. So we're going to be talking about all this. It's going to be a really good episode, and I hope you enjoy it. And while we're here, if you're an early stage company and you're getting a lot of demos, but they don't go past the demo, so you need to learn how to better qualify them and better run a demo, or you're wanting to set up an outbound campaign so that you could actually get more demos, feel free to reach out to us at startupsales.io, at startupsales.io, as this is something that we could really help you with. Let's get to today's episode with Michael. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Hey, everybody. Before we get started in this episode, I know that you're eager to get going, but I wanted to ask for your help. We want to get the word out there more that uh, this podcast exists. So if you're finding value in this and you really are enjoying this, would you mind please sharing this with your colleagues or putting it on social media as much as you can so that we get the word out there and we could continue to deliver more and more content like this? Really appreciate your help and uh, thank you very much. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So can you give people a little bit of background on yourself and what your history is? Yeah, absolutely. I'm currently the head of business development and, and enablement at Chili Piper. I got my career started in politics, actually, and I realized I only like the raising money part of it. So I went to work for a large tech company, you may have heard of it, called Citrix. And at the time, they had a really interesting work abroad program. So I was in my early 20s, really interested in traveling abroad. And I was basically like an SDR, just like you would be anywhere else. But I got to travel throughout Latin America. I eventually took over the, the team when I was traveling abroad and managed a team of SDRs and then came back to the US where I was an account executive and then moved into management there. And I've basically been in management ever since at a few other other startups as well. Most recently at my last startup, I inherited a team of roughly nine and I increased the revenue within in the first month of that team by 50% and then sustained it over time and then grew the team to, to 23 SDRs. Now I mostly handle the enablement for a team of roughly 10 account executives and, and SDRs. Wow. <laughs> quite, quite the history. I'm curious about this remote work that Citrix had. How was that A, to work remotely as a salesperson? 
Yeah, so both in my experience at Citrix and in my current job at Chili Piper, both experiences were remote. Chili Piper is completely remote, but at Citrix, we basically operated, our whole team was in one office and we were just separate from the main HQ. So we would have meetings with them. We would we sold GoToMeeting back then. So we would hop on GoToMeeting and, and meet with the team pretty frequently. But we were pretty much on our own because we were also international. So in the period I was doing it, it was still more or less a proof of concept and they were still testing it out. So there were many, many challenges and difficulties. So basically what they did is they had a group of Americans and they would send them to Latin America, and then also hire locally. So the team was about a 50-50 split. And there were all sorts of challenges with, you know, day-to-day management of the team. But it was also really, really fun and a great way to spend my my early 20s. (laughs) That's amazing. So at Chili Pepper, you're also 100% or not also, but you are 100% remote. Yeah, we're 100% remote as well. So I'm actually the only employee here in San Francisco we have people in Eastern Europe, in Russia. I think we're almost in 24 cities or something like that right now, all across the globe. Our CTO is in Argentina. Sales reps are as far as the UK and all scattered across the US. So it's been an awesome learning curve for me in, in scaling and growing a remote sales team and then working within overall remote structure of the overall company. It's been, it's been fascinating to me. Wow. So overall... Would you say it's it's a much better approach or a better approach or the same? I'll be honest, when I first joined the company, I was hesitant to the idea, very hesitant to the idea because I was so used to as a sales manager, you know, scaling the team from nine to 23 at my last job, just being able to like walk up to their desk and pat somebody on the back and help them out or fix an issue or something like that. And so I was really nervous in the beginning about there was no one on the SDR team. There were only two account executives when I joined the company. So I had to build the team from scratch and do it remotely. So my first inclination was to just like, okay, well, I'll just hire people in the city that I'm in. And then when we started getting like really great candidates, like all across, literally all across the globe, it really made me like reevaluate that structure. And so we started hiring people all across the globe. And it forced me as a manager, I think, to become much better at communicating because I still do all the same things that I did before. It's not like any parts of my job like really change. It's just like the how part. And the the common thing I get from other sales leaders, I I go to a lot of networking events, especially here in the Bay and on the West Coast. And they're always like, well, how do you know what they're doing all day? And my response is always, if you hire someone and you need to know what they're doing all day, you probably hire the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of trust goes a long way, you know? (laughs) So that's really governed my philosophy of how we hire. So if I hire somebody that, you know, we know is trustworthy and it starts with having the right skill set. So we hire people that we think are going to be really killer at sales. And then we train them immensely from there you know, I just got off a, t- a call with my team. After this call with you, I'll hop on with someone else. And it, it's the same as like if I was coaching them in person, thanks to, you know, to, to technology in, in and of itself. So there were challenges in the beginning, I think, in terms of adjusting. But now, even just like personally as a manager, I feel so much more refreshed when I show up. I really show up and I feel like my advice is more precise 
And I feel like the, the team really appreciates it too. So we have this really cool coaching culture because we're able to recruit talent from anywhere in the world. So we get the best of the best. And then, you know, we have these re- this really awesome coaching culture as a result of all of those things. It's cool too, because you don't get all the water cooler talk because, <laughs> and spend about 50% of the day with, with talking about stuff that doesn't matter and getting off topic and everything like that. It's much more focus driven. Have you seen that to be true? Absolutely. So in terms of uh, the water cooler talk, like even like walking to and from meetings or just like hanging out after a meeting, like we have a meeting scheduled, we hop on and we still like have fun and enjoy each other's company. Absolutely. But usually we hop on, we sort of get to the point and when the meeting's over, the meeting's over and you're on to your next task. So I found that like it, it makes you really good at the task oriented projects, but we're still close to our team. We still do really fun things with our team. For example, in December, we hit like a really big revenue goal and we flew the entire company to Paris. And so it was really, really awesome. We had such a great time. We felt so much more connected to each other. And we do a lot of other things like that um, as well to to make each other feel connected. But we don't waste as much time and it, it doesn't happen at the expense of productivity, which is what I feel like sometimes like in that, especially in open office environments, you can get really distracted. I know I can. Like I, <laughs> uh, you know, somebody walks by and I stop what I'm doing and look. So I think <laughs> working remotely has really helped me. And, and I think my team too, like to be, to be more focused on those more task oriented things, but also, you know, feel a connection to one another. I think also when you give that, back to that trust aspect, when you give that trust to people and it's a real trust, then they're going to be more up to like work harder for you and to like, to prove that, Hey, you did the right choice by trusting me with this. Yeah. I think that was a early learning lesson for me as a manager and something I still see a lot of managers struggling with. It's, It's sometimes we come down and we think like dropping the hammer is like, always the solution or do as I'm told sort of like mentality and really couldn't be further from how we operate here, especially like we, we believe in the total opposite of that, that freedom is what makes people like commit more to what they're doing. And that has a direct result to their performance and their, their happiness. And they're able to then take all of that and have sustained energy over time. I mean, there's so many sales orgs I walk into and, their sales team is like burnt out and their managers are burnt out. And I just want to yeah, give you got to be there and- nine to five. And, you know, I work sometimes remotely and with my clients and it's so nice. I could go travel with my wife and be on vacation, uh, like a workcation. So like yeah. half the day I'm working, I'm in the office. And then the, uh, you know, when I, when night comes, I could go out and have a nice dinner and wherever exactly. I am in the world. hundred percent. It's like, by the time I get to the work, I've, probably done like some sort of like light exercise. I've meditated. I've probably read. I've had social interactions with my team. And then, you know, that culminated with a nice brisk walk to the office. How can you not show up and be ready to go to work when you when you work like that? Instead of like the the old way I'd come to work is like wake up at the very last possible minute. Like don't do any of those things I do now. Like run out the door right at the very last minute and then like get to work right on time. And it's just like, it's too stressful. And I, I think like autonomy starts with allowing people to choose like how and when they want to work. And, and for me, as both a leader and someone who just works as an employee, as a company, it's made all the difference. Yeah. All right. So 
As your team is all remote, what is the biggest challenge though that you have in, in as a manager, as a leader? Yeah, so that inclination to want to walk over to someone's desk, like I still like feel that sometimes like where I'm like, oh, I could just like show you how to do it. And it's like a little bit, you know, easier in person. That's probably the biggest adjustment like for me. Some some other people have said that their biggest challenge is the connection piece. I like being really focused at work. So it's not as much of an issue for me. But that's usually like the, the biggest concern of some people when they're particularly like sales reps when they're wanting to work remotely because they've worked in offices where they're really close to their teams. But it works really well for our sales reps here. And I'd, I'd say that the way that I combat that is we do a lot of screen sharing at Chili Piper. So if there's something I want to show them, usually we'll hop on Zoom and we'll share each other's screens until the concept that I'm trying to teach is understood. And then we kind of like move on from there. But yeah, that, that's probably the, the biggest thing, like kind of ongoing thing that I'm still learning at how to get better at in terms of like a, a communication standpoint. It's probably made your communication skills much better. Yeah, I feel like I don't like, sometimes I have a little bit of trouble getting to the point, like I think a, a lot of uh, managers might. And I think it's like really forced me to be like more prescriptive and, and precise and say exactly what I'm thinking. And that's been really, really awesome for me to kind of watch my own like personal and professional development grow as a result of having to be more precise because we're remote. That's amazing. All right. So let, let's talk a little bit of how to how to set this up. If a company wants to hire remotely and, and get things going remotely, what's the hiring process? Like what are some of the big tips that you that you how you run your hiring process? I love this topic. I can talk about it all day. So I'll try to be brief here. But <laughs> from the get go, I you know, you hear people talking about building personal brand and how that connects to the company. So when I started, I didn't really like use social media that much. I wasn't really too concerned with personal brand or really anything like that. And as soon as I started at Chili Piper, I knew that would make a big difference in terms of having a remote company. So my biggest piece of advice is start building your personal brand right away. So a year ago, we weren't getting many applicants at all to Chili Piper. If I showed you my LinkedIn in-mail messages, videos I get, regular DMs, you would be astonished. Like We get over between 30 and 40 applicants every single day and we're a small startup. And then I just go in and cherry pick the ones that I want because of this, this structure that we've built. And I also teach my team how to build their personal brand. And so what happens is our social media efforts are mutually reinforcing to one another because we all work at the same company. And so we're able to elevate ourselves individually and building our personal brand while we're building a company brand. And I get some of the best sales talent all across the globe applying, following up with me like very consistently to the point where at one point we literally didn't have the bandwidth to follow up with everyone. And so there's like a little bit of backlog and we're, we're really big on following up with everyone and being like in, in contact with everyone that applies, but that's how high the volume was. So all of that started from the, the fruits that we're getting now all started from what we did a year ago and building our own personal brands and things like that. So I think that's a big piece that's often overlooked by, by brands. And then the next thing from that is what I said earlier about finding the right people and skill set. So I was at a networking event recently and I asked a VP how he sourced talent. And he said he has them do like a presentation 
or something about something that they're passionate about. And my thought process on that, just to challenge it a little bit, was that it seems cool, but I don't know that you're going to get the best salespeople by doing that. And I, I do have pretty strong opinions here. I think someone needs to have a threshold or a baseline skill in order to be able to do the role. And then it's incumbent upon you as the manager or the management team to then train them and expand upon those skills like from there. So we try to sort of implement sort of like little tests into our hiring process that really enables us to see like where someone's at and if they're a good fit for Chili Piper, both in terms of sales, technology, and culture fit. As a result of that like more empirical hiring process, we get we get our numbers and our quantity from our outreach and just our brand recognition. And then we really zone in on the skill sets that we're looking for. And so we're we're able to attract and retain top talent as a result of that. Okay. So what are some of those skills that are important for remote versus regular? And what are these mini tests that you're using to test for that skill? Yeah. So in terms of remote work, everyone that we've hired so far, except for one, has really found remote work to be a good fit for them. We did we did have one person who it wasn't a good fit. And we just kind of recognized that and, and, and normalized it as okay. I think like we can do better as an industry normalizing that something isn't like a great fit. And then we just parted ways and it was no big deal. But for everybody else, it has been a good fit. I think a lot of a lot of the people who apply at Chili Piper want to work remotely, so they're highly motivated. So we don't have to figure out that aspect of it too much. We do really zone in on the skill sets though. And so we give them different activities, role plays, things like that to do and just to kind of see where their current sales skill set is. And then technical tests as well to see like what their tech acumen is, because that's a really big important piece to our sale. And then we do like a fun video exercise as well for them just to kind of get an angle at their culture fit as well. So there's different... Wait, what, is this, what is this exercise? Can you dwell deeper in that? Yeah, we basically just asked them three questions. And, you know, we, I think that for me personally, phone screens are a little bit outdated. And so like you have a recruiter call a million people and then they put them in this like funnel. We're a little bit different. We like to make it more engaging and we tell people that up front. So we have them submit videos, make it fun and engaging. Some of it will be sales specific. Some of it is why do you want to work here? You know, how would you respond to a certain like objection, kind of questions like that. And just give us a glimpse into the like how they think and, and their personality overall. And then we're, we're able to see like culture, culture fit and how that aligns with our core values as like an initial glimpse. And then from there, we pass them on to one-on-one interviews. It also has had like a side effect, good benefit of having, when we scaled and had a, a lot more applicants applying, the video enabled us to kind of keep up with the volume as well. So it kind of had this other benefit that we didn't really think much about, but has since served us really well to keep up with that that high volume too. And it's more fun. Like it's not a boring phone screen. Sometimes we still hop on with people in phone screens if they have like additional questions or they wanted one or specifically requested it, but we start with videos usually. Wow, that's great. Let's go backwards a step without going into like social networking and how this works, but how do you, how are you creating a brand? What are some like step-by-step action items that you're using to create a brand to get the talent to come to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's something I spend a lot of time thinking about. I think brand 
recognition, trust, loyalty is like the way of the future. And so it's something I spend, even though I'm a salesperson, you might not always think of salespeople thinking about brand, but I think we should as an industry be talking and thinking about brand and having conversations with, you know, our market. I think, you know, it's been amazing, like working more closely with marketing, how many ideas that they've come up with that has helped sales and how many ideas that sales has come up with that has helped marketing. And so, you know, everybody's talking about alignment these days. I think brand is probably one of the biggest areas to do that. So some of the things that we've done, I'll give you a really specific example. After we built our social media presence up a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit, we had some tractions, people sort of following our brand, checking us out. We launched a hot sauce campaign. So it was very relevant to what we're doing here at Chili Piper, obviously, because our brand is you know, based around the word chili. And so the hot sauce was highly relevant. And it was our first viral campaign that we did. So we had everyone post a picture of the hot sauce that we shipped to them when they got it. And we had hundreds of thousands of views. Wait, you sent it to your clients or what or who? Yeah, so we we had these little hot sauce bottles and we sent it to anyone that wanted one. So I just posted on LinkedIn and I said, the tagline for it was light a fire under your sass. And then I just posted the first 100 people who comment will get one. And then I sent it to them. And then they reposted it when once I actually sent them the hot sauce. So the first one had tons of views. And then when they reposted, it had more views. That was six months ago. And I was at a conference two weeks ago. And one of the conference organizers said, yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone in this building has seen that hot sauce campaign. Yeah. So that was really exciting to hear it from a major, you know, SaaS conference organizer that was really cool and i think you know things like that are that are relevant to your brand are really memorable because it's not salesy it's it's it feels sort of personalized it feels like you you care and it's fun and it's lighthearted and it's not you know shoving a product down someone's throat which is what people are so used to and tired of at the same time yeah but okay so you it's a great campaign but you can't be doing that every day (laughs) so what else are you doing like are you just writing like what kind of posts are you writing or are you interacting with other people? Yeah, I think a big piece of it is networking. You know, I think networking with other other professionals and events. So going to the, the right events, meeting the right people. I've met so many people in the past year. I, I, I went to so many great conferences. I bring my team with me now, which is, has been really awesome. We do write content. So we started an idea almost... I'd say nine months ago called buyer enablement that a lot of people have caught on to. So that's another example of like branding fitting kind of into our overall mission that has had a lot of traction. So we've written about that. We you know definitely write on our blog blogs. I do a lot of LinkedIn posts that are content that are usually just things that come up that I think are interesting. And, you know, luckily I've had a lot of traction with other people finding interesting too. So just like going through my day-to-day job and then writing about it. So you, you write about like sales topics and then to, and then that's building your brand is like as a sales leader. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it doesn't always have to be directly related. Like yesterday I did a post that got 20,000 views in the first day and I asked people what, what books they like, basically. So, I mean, that's relevant to sales, but it's also a little bit indirect. There's some other things too, like I've posed questions. So when I was an account executive, I was the top performer out of a, a you know a fairly large company, really enjoyed the sales aspect of it. But I also felt a lot of anxiety about my 
repeated ability to, to hit quota sustainably. And so I, I wrote about that recently, and I think that one got 40,000 views because I, I told people what I did, how to, how to get out of emotional slumps. So we talk about sales slumps, but we don't always talk about the emotional side of sales. And I just wrote it because I thought it was interesting. And even if it helped one person, I think it's worthwhile to write. And so many people reached out to me after that. Thank you. No one's talking about mindfulness and sales and things like that. And I, I wrote it because I found it to be interesting. And I think, you know, as a, another result, it, it did help us build our brand because it's aligned with what we believe. We kind of what I said earlier, we don't want salespeople to be stressed out, burned out. That doesn't help the, co- the company over time. So it fits perfectly along with our brand, but it's not like a direct brand play that you might suspect before. And I think those types of messages are ultimately what's resonating with people now because it's messages that actually can help people on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. You could write about other stuff besides sales too. Like if you're wanting to make your brand go viral and get more attention on your on your brand, you could talk about things that are like related to your industry. It doesn't have to be specific about sales as well. Yeah, I think there's this line, I've tried to explain it several times, but I think there's this line where it's like almost an indirect approach. Like, how would you feel if someone was pitching you a product? You know, not always so great if it's like right away, which I train people how to do that for a living, by the way. And it doesn't always like feel that like sometimes you need to be a little bit slower, get people to recognize your brand a little bit more and get that association through those other indirect ways. And then, you know, I just had an SDR. It's his first day on the job. Right before I hopped on this call, he books his first meeting right away because people recognize the Chili Piper brand. He has connections as well. And it's just like really, really aligned. So that's what we try to teach people. Great. So having a remote sales team, what are some of the tools that you're using to help with the sales process and keep everybody connected? Yeah, so we obviously use our own tool. We use Salesloft as well. We use Zoom, Salesforce, and then we use data tools like Lead IQ and Zoom Info. Everyone's kind of talking about how swollen the tech stack is. Like right now, you hear the statistics of, oh, there's 7,000 tools and yeah. there's this and that. People buying so many tools that they don't have them, they don't even know how to use, nevertheless, adopt or implement. So we try to like kind of do the opposite. We don't skimp on tools at all. So if something is expensive, but it'll help move the needle in our team, we absolutely do it. I think the most common example I see when people skimming on tools is sales acceleration and data. The data, I literally don't know how someone could do a sales role in a modern selling capacity without having the right data tools. So basically what I'm saying is we keep our tech stack very light in terms of quantity, but high in quality. And so it's a joint decision-making process between myself, the CEO, and revenue operations. And we build consensus before we make those purchases. And then we make sure that the sales reps adopt, use, and that management does a good job of implementation as well. And then we don't have to worry about these inflated tech stacks, wasting money, not really sure if we're getting our ROI because it's, you know, sort of tight ship. But as a result of that, we don't mind spending extra money to make sure that our team has state-of-the-art technology that they should have. To make their life easier and let them be more efficient and close more deals. (laughs) Absolutely. Cool. All right. So you as a manager slash leader, you know, I know a lot of people don't like the manager title. And so you as a leader, 
What is something that you do different that allows you to excel, that allows you to be a good leader? Well, I think I, I come from the philosophy of trying to elevate people in their careers and help them get to that next step. And that's the position that I'm coming to, even if sometimes they don't want to, which is <laughs> can sometimes be the case. And so I think that's sort of the perspective that I have. I've been told by peers, managers, CEOs, VPs, that the thing that I excel at the most is coaching. And it's something that I think, unfortunately, our industry is not doing a very good job of right now as reflected in our team's abilities to hit their quota. Like 76% of SDRs are missing their quota. I think a few more account executives are hitting theirs, but probably not much more. And so I think a lot of these are, when we say managerial, it's let's break down how people are spending their time. And if you're spending your time in meetings all day, or you're spending your time on those activities that are not moving the needle, that's probably the source of your problem. And so I try to do the opposite. I tell my team that literally anytime they want to listen to a call, throw time in my calendar, we'll listen to it. Anytime they want me to hop on a call with them, anytime they want to debrief after a call. And so I think the recurring theme in my, my career, I've been managing for about seven years now. And I think that the thing that has come up over and over and over that I've heard from other people is my ability to understand where someone is currently and my ability to help them to get to those next steps where they want to be in their career through coaching specifically. Very good. All right. So do you have a favorite book that you like to recommend for sales or leadership? Yes. It's not a direct sales book, but it's my favorite. It absolutely changed my life. And the book is called 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. It's usually not as well known as like some of the other books. I could talk about books all day, but that one in particular really helped me at the end of the day, realize that you're managing people, you're not managing numbers. And I think more than any other book I've read, it's totally transformed how I manage. And I think made me a better leader. And then in terms of sales books, I'd say Never Split the Difference is a very, very good one too. I've never read that one, either one, but I've heard Never Split the Difference a lot. All right. Who do you follow for sales and leadership advice? Sales and leadership advice. And I, or. <laughs> I have been very, very, very fortunate to have some really awesome leaders that invested in me in my career. And I'm always so thankful for them. I got my first $20,000 paycheck because of my first mentor for my 20000 commission check for, as a direct result of her coaching and training. And so mostly the people that I've met over my career that have made a really big impact in my life. And so I, I've tried to do a really good job on staying in touch with those people while at the same time networking and meeting new people. I'm a fan of you know following prominent leaders and listening to people who do TED Talks and things like that as well. But I really like the people that are in the trenches and don't mind rolling their sleeves up and who also coach and train have been through a lot of the same like bumps and bruises that you have. So those are kind of like my heroes are like those mentors. And yeah, so one of them, her name is Anna McMahon and she's at Service Trade in North Carolina. Another big mentor of mine is Kevin Dorsey at Patient Pop. He helped foster some of my love of learning of business books. And also he's a great coach and one of the best trainers on the planet. And my current CEO, Nicholas Vandenberg, is of any CEO I've ever met, he has the greatest acumen of, for sales that I've ever seen. 
And so it's really cool to kind of geek out with him about sales and we can sit there and talk for hours and hours and hours. So those three people, in addition to, I could name 15 more that have made a big impact on my personal life. And I know if I had a problem, I could pick up the phone and call them tomorrow. So I've been very fortunate. Great. What's one piece of advice that you have for all the founders and sales leaders out there? Founders and sales leaders out there. It would have to go back to my piece on like coaching and training. I think like that's usually the, the piece, like there's so many different things going on. And it's really easy for that to fall by the wayside. Like do that like immediately and spend the most time doing those things. Like that is a return that will always come back to you. And if you train one person, they can help you train the next people. And I think really investing in that and finding other people that care about that too and creating this like coaching culture where everyone's like learning from each other. And it's just really cool to be a part of an environment where you feel like everyone's learning, everyone's running at the same pace, everyone's a top performer. It's just really, really fun environment when you have this like learning culture instilled from leadership. And I think like when leadership is kind of distant from their team or they're not as committed to coaching and training and development, like that's where I've usually seen things go sideways. And so I think like when you invest in those things, your team will produce that ROI that you need to go share back to your board and get more funding and grow your company. So like all these things are related, but that's the number one thing I would say to do. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more there. I think coaching is is one of the most important things to do because at the end of the day, you're you're helping people and these people want to succeed as well. And you have to give them the tools so that they feel they can succeed. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Michael, I really appreciate your time coming and joining us today. How can people reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So you can add me on LinkedIn. It's probably the quickest way to get me. It's just Michael, last name Tuso, T-U-S-O. Um, pretty easy to find. Not many Tussos out there. So that's probably the quickest way to find me. Great. I'll put a link in the show notes as well for that. Great. Thank you. Michael, thanks a bunch. Yes, thanks. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io.